think I forgot two important announcements if you're in the Bible study or book group. Bible study on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We are reading chapters 3 and 4 of Ecclesiastes. And on Wednesday night, we are reading 7 through 11, I think, of Rob Bell's book, whatever the end of section 1 is. Um, And if you wanted to be a part of that and weren't there the first week, I have one book left. Um, So please come. Even if you weren't there last week, I'm sure the conversation is not going to depend on you having been there. Our scripture this week comes from the 13th chapter of Luke. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they are worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit this next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May God bless this reading. We are into week two of our sermon series. After Had we been 20 different small group conversations? It was a lot. I didn't actually count. Um, Themes emerged. And so we are into week two of this process of talking about the foundations of this church, who we have been, and building on that, who it is God is calling us to be out of that. And so this week I wanted to talk just a little bit about community presence. How is it that we are in the community? But one of the things that the sermon series talks on, that it builds on, is this idea of identity and who we are. And for this church, there has been a long history of community involvement. And there is this desire within this church to be present in the world around us, to be out part of the life of Greater Lafayette, of West Lafayette, of Tippecanoe County, of this Purdue University. But when we think about that, whatever that means, it's not always clear. It doesn't always make sense what it means to be out in the community. There's this old adage that you hear in the marketing business. Um, there's no such thing as bad publicity. You hear, maybe you hear this in sports more often, where some sports star gets in trouble and people say, oh, that's going to be bad for him, but in reality it just raises his... his profile in the world. So if you're selling something, any news gets the product out into the market. But if the church were to live by this, then it wouldn't really matter what got us into the news. If the church were to live by this adage, there's no such thing as bad publicity, 
then we could do all sorts of things to get ourselves in the newspapers. And I know this because churches end up in the newspapers all the time. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not always for the best things. And so we have seen in recent years that the church has gotten into the newspaper for things that are not things to be celebrated. And so we live in this world now in which the church isn't really trusted by people. We can go through the list. The most prominent examples are just the sex scandals that have happened in the Catholic and now Baptist churches and in different traditions. We so often end up with the wrong kind of publicity. And so the question that has emerged for the church everywhere right now is not whether or not we will be known for anything in particular. Take your pick. The question is, what will we be known for? What is the thing that, not just this church, Christianity in America, what is it that we are going to be about? Well, the New Testament has this way of talking about this, what, you're, what you are about. Fruit. What kind of fruit do you produce? Are you producing any fruit at all? This is the way in which we hear our New Testament writers write about it. And so, during this, the time of our scripture today, this time of Jesus is this very complicated period in Israel's history. There's this very complicated social and political milieu, milieu going on. There are we know from the scripture that there are kings in Israel. We know that there is a King Herod. We know that there are rulers that, that rule over the people of Israel. But what we also know is that these aren't autonomous rulers. They are basically vassals of the Roman Empire, this much larger force that has captured the world. And so there is this complicated sense of identity in Jesus' time. What does it mean to be both members of the Hebrew people and also subjects of the Roman Empire? What does it mean to carry both of these identities? And which one do you choose when you have to choose between the two? And so today Jesus talks about, he mentions this event that has happened. He mentions that there are these Galileans who have been killed by Pilate the representative of power in Rome, he actually says their blood has been mingled with the sacrifices, as in this is something that they, they crossed Pilate in some way. We don't get a ton of background on this. There's not a lot of what happened. But these questions have started emerging among the people who are in this area. Did these people make a mistake? By, by not respecting the Roman authorities? Should they not have done that? Or was it even sinful that their blood was, was mingled with the sacrifices, as the text says? And so you get this sense that there might be some people within Israel who think that not only is it not good to cross the Roman power of the time, but it might actually be sinful. That part of your religious duty might be 
to not anger those who are in power. Even if it is something that has to do with religious purity or practice or freedom, that you should not conflict with those who are over you. And so this is part of the problem that the religious people run into. They can't quite figure out if the sanctity of their sacrifice overrules the desire of the political forces of their time or if they should submit to the forces and abandon the religious practices. This is a problem that religious people run into. We get too comfortable with the powers of our day that we may start to mingle our values with theirs. Indeed, there was room under the Roman rule to practice one's personal faith, to pray and to worship and to offer sacrifices. But as individuals sought to align themselves with those powers and figure out what it meant to be under Rome, some of those values had to be adjusted to make room. And so Jesus' criticism today, while it is surely aimed at a few outliers, his point is that some people have found themselves on the wrong side of Roman power and must have some moral failing. His point is that you can't make that jump. Jesus is critical of these people who are mixing, who are giving up on important values in exchange for others. And so in this context of this story, we hear Jesus speak of a fruit tree that hasn't produced any fruit. You see, God has planted a vineyard, and the vineyard was supposed to produce a certain kind of fruit. This is the call of Israel. You are called to be set apart and to live differently. You are not supposed to be like the powers of this world. And as the values of the people have become mixed with the values of Roman power, things get distorted. And the tree that God has planted ceased to produce fruit. And instead you hear the story of the members of Israel turning on one another. They have stopped living as a people set apart and instead often live as a people who are trying to get as much out of the system for themselves as they can. And we should point out and recognize that Jesus' problem is not with Judaism in general. We make that mistake when we read the New Testament and we think that Jesus is, is against the Jews, of his, of Jews in general. Jesus is Jewish. What Jesus' problem is with is with religious establishments abandoning their call to be people of God. Jesus' problem is a problem that was surely present in first century Judaism as much as it is present in 21st century Christianity. Being people of God and especially being followers of Jesus means being concerned not just with whether or not we are recognized and respected. It has to do with the kind of fruit we produce. And if we're not producing fruit, then we're not going to be any good for the kingdom. And so we have to be careful about the desire to do God's will and God's work 
and the desire to be respected and revered as a religious people. Scholars have written about this idea that this, this event is happening right now. John Douglas Hall, a theologian, calls it the end of Christendom. That since about 400, Christianity has enjoyed a, a spot in the world that has given it privilege, that we have been respected. For a thousand or so of that years, we weren't just respected, we were the kings and queens of the world. And so we are coming out of this time right now where all of a sudden this place where Christianity was in the middle of everything, where it was mingled with the powers of its time, now today we don't enjoy that privilege. We are passing out of this period. And so as we think about the church, we have to think then, what is our desire? Is our desire to be back in that revered, upfront place where we are the people everybody defers to? We are the power of our time, or is our desire to produce fruit? Is our desire to be about the kingdom or about the power and privilege that we have lost? Because we know from time to time that religious institutions get off the path, that they start caring about things that don't matter or even get in the habit of using their power to exert influence in ways that are not the gospel. Whenever I read scripture and I think about the religious leaders of that time who, who keep messing up or abuse their power, or uh, I, I've learned not to ask, how could they do that? I have learned to turn inward and go, where am I doing that? Because <laughs> nobody means to veer off that path. Luckily, we as Christians, we hear this in Scripture, this is a normal pattern. People are saved by God, called by God to be different, and wander off the path. I was reminded this week in particular of, of a reformer who was a Catholic in the 16th century named Ignatius. He was originally a Spanish soldier. Um, he got hurt in battle and was laid up in a hospital bed. In the Catholic Church at this time of the 1600s, this is post the Reformation, they are dealing with the questions of who are we, what are we, what are we going to be? Because it's easy to read the Reformation and say, well, Luther and Calvin broke away from a corrupt church and that corrupt church never changed. That corrupt church changed dramatically in the 1600s. But while Ignatius was laid up in a hospital bed, somebody gave him the book, uh, the Lives of the Saints. And the story goes that he sort of mockingly, mockingly read through that and said, oh, I could do those things. And so set out to do them and then in the process was converted. But he set out, he looked at the Catholic Church of his time and said, we're not producing fruit. We have fallen under a time of greed and a time in which we are, are not producing fruit of God's kingdom. And Ignatius took it upon himself to reform the Catholic Church. He created the Order of the Jesuits, which is a very prominent order today. The Pope Francis is a Jesuit priest. And Ignatius called for these new priests, not just to go back and do what old priests had done, but rather to take on what he called the examine, the process of self-examination. What fruit am I producing in my life? To spend time every day to ask that question. 
to think about ways in which we can reform the faith. And so the Jesuits spread across the world, largely to the Americas, and spread this message of, of reform within the church. And he said, he is famous for having said, if our church is not marked by caring for the poor, the oppressed, the hungry, we are guilty of heresy. That that is Christ's call, to produce that kind of fruit. And so as we continue to talk about the presence of the church in the community, something that has been important here for a long, long time, we also have to be aware that it is not good enough to just be known or to be recognized or to be privileged or deferred to. In the life of the church, all press is not good press. Rather, we have to ask, what do we want to be known for? What are we going to be known for? What fruit do we want to produce? And is it the fruit that Paul writes about Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruits that the Bible tells us will be produced if we have the Spirit within us. And this, I want to wrap up with this. This, this is why, I, personally, I will be at the Islamic Center of Greater Lafayette tomorrow night. Because within our community, we are called to create this culture of kindness and generosity and respect And tonight and today and this weekend, I know in the Muslim community and in our city and in our nation, there is this sense of fear. And so to be in the community, to produce the fruits of the Spirit, means being with those who are fearful today. Being with those who aren't quite sure they're welcome. Being with those who, who fear for their lives. As Christians, we are called to produce the fruits of the Spirit, to produce that kindness and that generosity. How are we going to do that? What fruit will we produce? Amen.